grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Greet you in Jesus' name. Appreciate all that's been shared already. I guess my thoughts lined up with what Dean has already shared, that we don't give up. And we uh, look at the promises that God has for us in his word. You know, as I prepare a message, I pray that God would help me and show me in his word what it is that I need in my life, what's needed in the congregation. And you know, I also look at the world around us and I see the things that we're facing, not only what the world's facing, but what we're facing. And uh, I look at what's happening in this community and you know, the community around us, the greater, bigger picture of, of the, yeah, the U.S. and of the world. I think if we look at the, take note of things that are happening around us, we have a lot to pray about. We have a lot to seek the Lord about. You know, recently there was quite a bit on the news about a, a balloon that was in the sky. I don't know how many of you paid attention to that, but I was, I guess I was kind of keeping up with it, and they was, they was following this balloon and, and uh, trying to figure out what it was and where it was going and, and who sent it. And eventually they, they shot it down. They shot the balloon down, I think over by North Carolina or South Carolina, and it landed in the ocean. And if we yeah, look at the news, there's been a big earthquake in Turkey. And I think Syria, somewhere around 7.3, and there's you know, a lot of people killed. I think it said it's up to the number of about 40,000 people that, that have died there. And if you look at the news, there's, there's war in Ukraine, between Russia and Ukraine. And there's maybe like 200,000 people being killed there. And there's droughts. There's things... Maybe even out in, in the United States, if I think there's some big lakes out there that are, are at the lowest point they've ever been. There's, they need rain. And there's people starving. I was, I was astounded by the, the, the statistic that I read about how many people starve a day in this world. And it, was, it said 25,000 a day. And I can't, I can't hardly imagine that that many people would starve each day of the year, but that's, that's what I read. I don't know if that's accurate information or not. So as we, as we look at all these things around us, where is our focus this morning? Where is my focus at? We truly are a blessed people. We have a lot to be thankful for. My thoughts, I guess, go to how would I respond to the circumstances that these people are facing? What if I lived in Africa in one of those villages and I didn't have enough for my children to eat? And I would watch them 
starve to death. Or what if I lived in Turkey and my home was destroyed? And maybe some of my family was killed in the earthquake. How would I respond? How would that impact my tomorrow? Or maybe the soldiers have came and burned everything over in Ukraine. Maybe they took some of my family. How would I respond to that? You know, I was I was challenged this week by a brother. He he was he was telling me he did a study on non-resistance and what all that entails. What all does that entail? It's a lifestyle. It's what Jesus taught. You know, we, uh, it's not just about, <clears throat> and this is what he said, he said, it's not just about raising a gun, but it's much more than that. And I think you and I, we know that. What Jesus said about that, he says, you have heard that it has been said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I say unto you that you resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn him the other also. And if any man will sue thee at the law, take away thy coat, and let him have thy cloak. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Give to him that asks thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn thou not away. <clears throat> you have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thy enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, and do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. So this is what Jesus, well, he teaches this non-resistance. It's not just about raising a gun, but raising our voice, raising our fist, fighting back. So as we go back to the balloon that was shot down and the controversy in our country, I guess I've been reminded in the last few weeks of the necessity to pray. Like it says in Timothy, Timothy to pray for our leaders and the kings and our, author, our authorities that we may continue to live quiet, peaceable lives. How close could we be to having that taken away? So what's next? Is it, is it war? We see different accounts of, of things being shot down and fighter jets out. My thoughts went to what Jesus said. He says there will be wars and rumors of wars. He talked about that. He said, you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places, and all these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended, and they shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. And this is what Jesus said was a sign of the end of the world. The signs of his coming. You know, as, as we read this little passage, these few verses, we, we marvel at how accurate they are. How relevant they are to exactly what's going on in the world today. Something that was written 2,000 years ago can be so accurate, so true, and so up to date. How can that be? How can that be? 
I think it's because the author is also the creator. And Jesus predicted these things of wars that would happen. And maybe I've, it's for me, as I start thinking about these things, where, what do I do? I have a tendency to start maybe worrying and wondering what, what's going to happen tomorrow or next week. But what did Jesus say? He said, you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars and see that you be not troubled. He doesn't want us to be troubled about these things. And we can say we won't be troubled, but how would it really be? If the tanks were in Ohio and they were coming this way, how would it be if we knew they was destroying everything in their path and our place was coming right up? What would our prayer meetings look like? What would our church services look like if we knew we was right in the path to be destroyed? Could we still see this verse as see that you be not troubled? For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. He goes on to predict strife. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. Is there strife in this nation, in this kingdom? Is there strife? I think there is. If we're willing to, to admit it, there's strife everywhere. And there's famine. Famine is a severe or prolonged hunger. It's a lot of times it's caused by drought or poverty. A famine that 25,000 a day are perishing from. And pestilence is a deadly or over overwhelming disease was one definition that affects an entire community or a nation. And I think as we was reminded in the last two years of, of COVID and how that affected us and earthquakes. We've already talked about the earthquake in Turkey in diverse places, in many places. It says these are the beginnings of sorrow. These are the beginnings of sorrow. That's kind of a bleak picture when we think about that. Or it can be, because there's more to follow. It says, Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and shall be hate, you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. The persecution and the hate that we as believers, the Bible says we will face. What does it mean to be afflicted? It's to suffer or to be distressed or troubled. And it can be either bodily or mentally. It doesn't, and I think we talked about this in our Sunday school lesson, about, yeah, Job was being persecuted through his friends, maybe. It was a form of persecution. It wasn't they were actually doing anything to his body, but they were mentally persecuting him by what the words that they said. And it says that, talks about many shall be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. Doesn't that describe the world we live in in 2023? And then shall many be offended, so easily offended. 
and shall betray one another. Is there any loyalty? And shall hate one another. Is there any love? And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. We have access to so much teaching. Let's be sure it's what the Bible, it lines up with what the Bible says. That we're not one of them that's deceived. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. <clears throat> because of sin, because of iniquity, it says it will be a cause, the love of many shall wax cold. And I think this could be a love toward God and a love toward each other. Will diminish or disappear. And I think about all these things that we see in these verses. Does it sound familiar? Does it sound familiar to you and I? And the next question is, am I surprised? You know, we say we believe the Bible and what it says, but still when we see these things, we're almost surprised that they are actually happening. But why did Jesus say these things are happening? It's because the end is near. We're living in the last days. But he doesn't leave us without hope. He gives us an exceeding great and precious promise in verse 13, Matthew 24. If you want, you could turn to there to see what it says if you're not already there. It says, but. And this is the turning point from what the disciples and what we are expected to, to uh, see and experience. But he that shall endure until the end, the same shall be saved. That's a promise. A promise from God. The Bible says God who cannot lie. But it's a conditional promise. You know, as I was studying for this message, I was, I was thinking of all the promises that, that, that God makes us. And uh, I mean, I couldn't think of all of them because they claim there's like maybe 7,500 promises in the Bible. And I can't, you know, we can't get through that many, uh, we can't get through that in many messages. But yeah, just as we think of some of the promises that, that God has made to us, there's conditional promises where we have to do our part. You do this, and God will do this. And I think this is one of those promises. It says, but he that shall endure until the end, the same shall be saved. So what is my part? What is your part? It's to endure. It's to endure. And I have wrote in my Bible to continue. But I looked up some definitions for endure. Maybe you probably have some, some of your own. And there was, yeah, a lot of definitions. But some of them was to remain firm. As under trial or suffering. To suffer patiently or without yielding. To bear up under adversity, to continue in the same state. <clears throat> All of these, I believe, are to keep pressing on, to not give up. But he that shall endure until the end, unto the end, the same shall be saved. So we see this thing of enduring, pressing on. Mine went to several different places, and there's a, there's a lot of verses that, that would talk of enduring, and I'll, I'll share a few of those this, this morning. And this Philippians 3, my mind went to here, and it doesn't necessarily talk of, say endure, but it says, 
Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Not, it says, I count not myself to have apprehended. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. We can't give up. But we need to press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. And it's in Christ Jesus. We need to press toward Jesus Christ and lean on him. And that's what it, it says in Hebrews. It says, looking into Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. The author and the finisher of our faith. Looking into Jesus. It goes on to say it like this. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endureth such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your mind. Consider what Jesus endured for you and I, for sinners, lest we get tired, lest we think of giving up and throwing in the towel. Jesus said in another place, he said, These things have I spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. He's got it under control. As we look to him, we can experience a peace, even in the midst of tribulations. One place it says something like, not peace that the world gives, but the peace that we can have from, from knowing Jesus Christ. And that's not the exact words, but I believe that's the, the, uh, the meaning of it. So what are we to endure? What are we to endure as we go through this life? What have we endured? In 2 Timothy, it says this, that thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet he is crowned. Yet is he not crowned, except he strive loftily. The husband that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Remember, that Jesus Christ, the seed of David, was raised from the dead according to my gospel. So we are to endure hardness as a good soldier. What does that look like, endure hardness? I think we've all experienced our own hardness, different things that have, have come our way. You think of Job and the hardness, the things that he faced. But how are we to face him? As a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And in a way that may please him who's chosen us to be his soldiers. Are we enduring as a, as a good soldier of Jesus Christ? Another place it says, James 1.12, it says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. 
How are we doing on enduring temptations? Are we, are we remaining firm, under pressure? Are we being patient? Enduring the temptations that come our way. Another place that we, we find, it says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but with, will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that you may be able to bear it. Well, there's nothing that we can't bear without, with the help of God. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he, what, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. Again, I think we see a promise there. The promise of loving God and enduring temptations in order to receive the crown of life. James 5, 11, we'll, it says it like this. Behold, we count them happy which endure. You have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. But above all things, my brethren, swear not neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea and your nay nay, lest you fall into condemnation. So here it says, Behold, we count them happy which endure. It talks about the patience of Job and how he endured and the things that he faced. <clears throat> Second Timothy 4. This is Paul's instruction to, to Timothy. It's, I think he's, he's preparing to leave this world. He, he says to endure something else. And I, I would take note of this in verse 5. It says, I charge, thee before G, I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead as appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word, be in, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. Here's his instruction. But watch thou in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist and make full proof of the ministry. Endure afflictions. And that's not fun. To endure afflictions. To endure suffering. In pain. But that's what the Bible says we're to do. And Paul finishes it up with, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but to all them also that love his appearing. So here again we see something about a crown. For those I think, that have endured until the end. The same shall be saved. We go back to Hebrews 12. Something else that's not, that's not fun. 
but it's something that, that we have to endure. A little bit further down from in verse uh, 6, it says, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers that you are bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh, which corrected us and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection to the Father's spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chasten us after their own pleasure. But he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. So here we are to endure chastening, endure correction from God, from the Lord. And it's because he loves us. And what is the end result of that chastening? That afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. It's in order to bring us to him and to bring us into, into line with what his word says. That, he, that we endure chastening. How does an athlete build endurance? I think maybe Paul had something to say about that. I didn't look into it. But how does an athlete build endurance? I've talked to someone recently that was talking about running a marathon. And what do you do in preparation for running a marathon? You don't just wake up one morning and you go out and you run the 13.1 or 26.2 or whatever it is. No, you condition for that. You, you prepare for that through training. And can we look at the things that we're facing in this life as training, as preparation for what God has before us? So we see that it tells us, he that endureth until the end, the same shall be saved. That gives us hope that there is an end. There is a time coming, and this will not be the way it is here. Someday Jesus will return. How will he return? You know, many people was looking to the clouds to try to find this balloon. And maybe we should have been looking for Jesus. Because he says, behold, in the same manner that when he was taken up, he will return. So he, yeah, we need to be watching and waiting for his return. It's a promise that he's coming back. He that endureth unto the end, the same shall be saved. What does it mean to be saved? I think there's different things that we could, we could look to as far as being saved, but I think saved from our sins and from, saved from the wrath of God, saved from the destruction and the penalty of our sins, and that's hell. It says that he will save us, and that is a promise that we can, that we can uh, rest in, that we can claim. And recently my mind's been often drawn to the verse in Isaiah 59. It says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that he cannot save. Neither is his ear heavy that he cannot hear. I believe the Lord has a long arm. It's not too short. 
If we cry out to him, he can reach down and save us from whatever situation we find ourselves in. It says his ear is not heavy, that he cannot hear it. Hear us. So, behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, neither is his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. Our God is able, if we're willing to call out to him. If we're willing to allow him to help us. <clears throat> There's, like I've already shared, maybe over 7,000 promises that we could we could look to in the Bible, but I, I want to look at a few conditional promises that that uh, stand out to me and probably to many of you, and you probably have them memorized, but in Proverbs 3, 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not to thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Again, do we see our part is trusting in the Lord with all of our heart? And not leaning on our own understanding. And acknowledging him in all our ways. And he will he shall direct our path. He shall direct our path. I think he will take us in the path that leads straight to our heavenly home. If we allow him to do that. And out on our church sign. We have the verse in Matthew 11. Again a conditional promise. It says come unto me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So what is our part? Coming to him. Coming to Jesus. All that are laboring are heavy laden, and he will, he will give us rest. Rest for our souls. Have we tried that? Have we... Receive that that he has to offer. A friend of mine recently gave me a, a little paper and I was gonna gonna read it, but it was it said emergency dial um, emergency contacts for different situations or something like that, and it had all these things that it, that uh, if we're facing anxiety, if we're facing depression. And it had a verse for each one of those that, that you could come to God's promises and see, see uh, what they are. And maybe I'll, I'll get a copy or try to get a copy for each one on those. But here's another one that says, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles, and they shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. Here again, we have the condition of they that wait upon the Lord. Not running ahead of him, but waiting upon the Lord and allowing him to renew our strength and give us what we need for the time that we're, the grace that we need for the situation that we're facing. Someone, I'm not sure who it was, but it was, someone asked, have we ever seen an eagle that was old and feeble? Think about that. He will renew our strength as an eagle. First Corinthians, I want to close with, with this. First Corinthians 15, 57 says, But thanks be to God, 
which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be you steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I think we see this same pattern of thought. Be you steadfast and unmovable, that we endure until the end. Because he has that promise for us. And it's, it's in more places than just Matthew 24. I think he might say pretty much the same thing in, in Luke and maybe in Revelation. It says, but he that shall endure until the end, the same shall be saved. So let's not give up. Let's keep looking into Jesus and allowing him to renew our strength and to help us in whatever situation we're facing. These thoughts, let's kneel for prayer. Thank you.